0: Welcome in to Ohio vs. the World, an exclusive Ohio sports podcast, where I discuss the Buckeyes, Browns, Cavaliers, Indians, Blue Jackets, Crew, Bengals, Reds, and more. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, and today I'm joined by a special guest. He's already been on the podcast two times already, so he's becoming quite the frequent guest. My good friend, Steven. how you doing, man? Good, how about yourself? Doing good, dude. Good, doing good. Did you see the breaking news there a few minutes ago? I did not. What What happened? Uh, I think Hugh Jackson has been hired by the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know what his role is yet,
1: but he's been hired. He might be their offensive coordinator. Didn't they just fire theirs?
0: No, they fired their defense coordinator, oh, okay. um, which I think Marvin Lu- means Marvin Lewis might take over some more duties there, which means he, he might just come in as like an assistant kind of coach. I don't know. He might just like have a role in just everything, but I'm not really sure. It'll be interesting to see what his role is, but. Yeah, breaking news, it looks like Marvin Lewis just a few minutes ago or uh, Hugh Jackson will be becoming one of the coaches for the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see what he ends up doing now.
1: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, he didn't work out in Cleveland. So, I mean, he did have success <clears throat> with the Bengals the first time. So, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely interesting there. Um, yeah, he did have success in Cincinnati, which, you know, makes sense. But still, coming off that abysmal run in Cleveland is interesting that he got hired so quickly. But uh, yeah, so run down through the podcast here, what we're going to do today. We got the Buckeyes. They beat Michigan State 26-6 And East Lansing, then some other college football news and notes. Um, We'll talk about the Browns beating the Falcons, other stuff in the NFL as well. Um, We'll talk about the crew crashing out of the playoffs. They lost 3-0 last night to the Red Bulls. Um, We'll talk a little bit about the Blue Jackets. They played two games, I think, since my last podcast. High State Basketball has played once since my last podcast. They played yesterday. And the Cavs have played once since my last podcast. So, sound good to you, Steve? Yep, sounds like a plan. All right, so first we'll jump right into um, what is probably most popular here in Ohio. That's Ohio State football. The Buckeyes, uh, Saturday, marched into East Lansing, and they won pretty comfortably. It wasn't always the prettiest of games, but they won 26-6 to in East Lansing. The first little note I got here is, Drew Christman is the hero, probably the MVP
1: of the day. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, dude, I mean, punters get like they they help our team so much if you have a good one and they mm-hmm. can also really affect the team if they're bad yeah so having drew chrisman just pen them consistently inside the 10 yard line really helped um our field position in this game and he's been doing that all year and it's just so it's funny because i'm not that big of an advocate for punters mm-hmm. but if we have a good one it's so nice to see and we can rely on him yeah, I think people definitely undervalue how important punters
0: and field goal kickers can be to a team, um, especially in college football. You see it, you see some teams like Texas, they have like a player like Dicker. He's their kicker, Dicker the kicker, and he can make like 55-yard field goals. And you get some teams, I can't think of any off the top of my head, that have those kickers that, I mean, they can barely make an extra point. And that's pretty big. I mean, being able to get three points once you get inside the 30-yard line is a big deal. And same with punters, it's a big deal that if you can pin the other team and pin them deep, it's huge. And I would say Drew Chrisman was responsible for at least nine points yesterday. One of them was the uh, safety that they got. And one was we pinned them on the one. And then the next play, they fumbled. We pick it up. Jeremiah Jones picks it up in the end zone. We get a touchdown. And he's partially responsible for those points for sure. Um, so a huge day for Drew Chrisman. He was probably the MVP of the day. Um, Talking about other good things, the defense, they played really well yesterday. We've seen them play bad at times this year. But they only give up six points. Michigan State isn't the best offense. Obviously, they're one of the worst in the in college football, but still good to give up only six points. I was a little bit scared when Rocky Lombardi came in there, Uh backup QB from Michigan State. He's pretty explosive, but he had, like, a few good throws in a row, and then after that we pretty much shut him down and they even put Lewerke back later in the game. But, <clears throat> um, yeah, the defense steps up in this game, only gives up six points.
1: Yeah, they looked great. I mean, they did give up um... – a decent amount of uh, passing yards to one guy, but that was pretty much almost all their passing yards was to white. Mm. Um, he's going to be a threat. I think he, he has a, p- a potential NFL talent for sure. Um, but yeah, our defense looked good and it just, like I said, our special teams and defense were just clicking. So that helps our offense move, move a little bit. I mean, we were pretty stagnant for the first part of the game, but then it just kind of led into points and that was the good thing about it.
0: Yeah. It was like old school football kind of, we played good defense Had good punting game, made our field goals and really ran it down their throat a little bit. But talking about defense, one thing that stood out to me was how bad, um, I don't know how much this has to do with the defense or how much this has to do with just bad quarterback play. But Brian Lewerke threw 11 for 28, so 11 completions on 28 passes and Rocky Lombardi was seven um, completions on 19 passes. I want to say I did the math earlier today and that was like 38% completion rate, so those defenders really locked them down, forced some rough passes. And, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty abysmal right there.
1: Mm-hmm, for sure.
0: Um, <clears throat> so, moving on now, we'll talk about – I'd say the run game got a lot better. Um, they only ran for, I think, 150 yards as a team, but that's better than we've seen, seen them do. Um, and, of course, it's against the best run defense in the country. Coming into this game, Michigan State was the number one ranked run defense in the entire country. And a lot of people coming into this week were talking about, can this Ohio State team run for 100 yards on this team? can even run for like 80 yards on this team, and they end up running for 150, so that was good to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike Weber had a day. He was he was clicking on all cylinders, averaging 4.7 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's great. I'm, I was surprised J.K. Dobbins did not do more just because he's more of that elusive back, and, mm-hmm. and he just kept like uh, going where Mike Weber was pounding the football, but J.K. Dobbins couldn't get anything going. And so that's it's good to see that we had that choice of being able to have two guys go out there. If one's clicking, he can – keep going out there and balling while one of them can kind of sit and rest and then when he gets his chance he maybe can have a big play yeah all right so Tate Martell comes into the
0: game and he only runs one time but everyone freaks out they oh. like the answer <laughs> but um yeah. he only gets one rush for five yards but one thing that did stand out to me I, I want to say he had three plays maybe only two but there was a play on third and one they bring him in and he doesn't do anything all he does is just you know get the snap and hand the ball off but I don't know if you saw this play, but when he hands the ball off, there's someone that would be able to make a tackle on the running back. But since he's scared that Tate might pull it and run himself, it kind of freezes this defensive end, and that makes makes room for the running back. I think it was Mike Weber on the play to get about 10 yards on this third and one. So it just shows that having a QB that uh, poses that threat to run, it really can freeze defensive linemen, defensive ends uh, especially. So, I mean, that's good to see.
1: Yeah, it's kind of what JT Barrett has did the past four years. The read option really mm-hmm. does work if he can run it effectively.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I thought – I liked what he brought, though. I mean, he only came in for three plays, but the one time he ran, he got five yards on, like, a, I think first and goal on the six-yard line, so that was a big play. And then, like I said, he had that play where – although all he did was hand the ball off, just his presence kind of froze the defenders, so that was good to see. Um, the final thing I wanted to do here was maybe discuss um, Ohio State playoff scenarios. Let me pull, give you one second while I pull up the uh, rankings for the college football committee. Um, I know Ohio State's at 10 right now, and the rankings will come out tomorrow, but I just kind of wanted to get into it a little bit. Um, sorry, that didn't work too well, but what, do you, what are you thinking, at least, on terms of chances Ohio State, if they do win out, can get into the college football playoff committee?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's a good shot I don't think we have anything more chance than the four seed to be completely honest I think since we did capture another top uh 25 win with Michigan State um that's a big one especially their defense was so good but if we can be Michigan that's a I think right there is a huge mm-hmm. uh, chance for us to get in there especially if we end up winning in the Big Ten Championship I mean that's kind of you better have to to want to get there but I feel like if it's a um the conference winner from a power five conference i feel like it should be in there so if we can do that i think we have a good chance
0: yeah yeah i wanted to run through the scenarios just in terms of like every team obviously this is all hypothetical and just you know if ohio state does win out uh, obviously there's a good chance they don't win out um they're still gonna have to play a maryland team that's pretty good and they're probably not going to be favored against michigan and then northwestern is not a bad team you never know what could happen there but um, assuming they do win out beat all of those teams um I'm kind of just assuming at this point that Alabama's going to win out and Clemson's going to win out. Uh, they're both really good teams, and their schedules aren't amazing. Um, the teams that Alabama has left to play are pretty bad. They play the Citadel this week; that's a win, obviously FCS team. I'm interested to see how bad that game ends up being. And then they play Auburn, who's not as good this year. And then Clemson, I think, will win out. Notre Dame, um, although they do have a few tough games, Syracuse will be a little bit tougher than people would have expected. I think they'll win out. So then it's You know, there's only one spot for, I think, what is that, seven teams here. But if you look at Michigan, therefore, obviously, if we beat Michigan, we'll go above them. Um, There's Mm -hmm. Georgia. If they lose in the SEC championship game to Alabama, of course, we'll go above them because they'll have two losses, not be a conference champion. And then there's Oklahoma. Um, If they win out, that'll be interesting. But Oklahoma and West Virginia is ahead of us as well. Both of those teams are going to have to play each other in back-to-back weeks. So that'll just be an interesting scenario. Louisiana, although they're above us right now, they have two losses. They're not going to get any chance of getting to a a conference championship game. So, no matter what, we're above them. And Washington State, even if Washington State wins out, I know they're ahead of us now. I just think that if we beat a Michigan team, we'd jump them. I would assume. So, the interesting thing to keep a look on, if Ohio State does win out, the interesting thing to look at would be Oklahoma if they win out, or West Virginia if they win out. if say West Virginia beats Oklahoma one week, and then Oklahoma beats them the next, and they both have two losses. That would help Ohio State out. But if one of those two, te- if one of those two teams, Oklahoma or West Virginia, beat each other in back-to-back weeks, beat
1: beat the other in back-to-back weeks, that'll be an interesting thing to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just think that um, I think right now, out of those seven teams you mentioned, I just think the Buckeyes have the they control their own destiny. Basically, I mean, I mm-hmm. think right now we have the keys to the car, and we're gonna if we. It depends on if we want to push the accelerator or not kind of thing. So if we just put our foot around these guys next for the next three weeks, I think we have a great shot. I mean, I don't know how well we'll match up to a team in the playoffs right now, but Mm -hmm. I mean, we could definitely get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because no one's really talking about Ohio State right now, but I just laid out the scenario and I feel pretty good about what I laid out. I don't really think there's much else to it. If they win out, I think they have a very good chance of getting in. Obviously, if Oklahoma does beat West Virginia twice and they win whoever they play in the next two weeks, I'm not uh, positive who they play, but I'd assume they'll win those games. If they do beat West Virginia back to back, though, they they'll definitely have a case to be ahead of us, even though we beat a team like Michigan. Um, but they value Michigan so much. So if we do beat Michigan, that would say a lot about us. So hopefully that would put us above them. But it all kind of rests on if we can beat Michigan and we'll get there when we get there. All right. So. um Jumping into other college football scores and notes, I know Cincinnati, they beat South Florida. I don't have the score here, but I want to say they won by like two touchdowns or so. A big win for Cincinnati. Um, They play UCF this week, and whoever wins that is going to end up winning their division in the American Athletic Conference. And if Cincinnati keeps winning and they can maybe knock off UCF, they might get one of those New Year's Six Bowls. That'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that would be cool to have another Ohio team in there.
0: Yeah, another Ohio team playing football well. You don't see that often. Um, so then I'll just go through the top 25 if you want to come in at any time and give some notes on the game, you can. But Thursday night, Wake Forest beat number 14, NC State, 27-23. to 23. I like to see that just because I think NC State's so overrated. Um, I think the ACC in general is really overrated in these college football rankings. Um, Syracuse beat Louisville, 54-23, 13th ranked Syracuse that is. 23-ranked um, Fresno State lost on the road to Boise State, 24-17. Um, obviously, Ohio State, number 10, beats 18th-ranked Michigan State on the road, 26-6. to mm-hmm. um, Tennessee, actually, at home, they win 24-7 to over 11th-ranked Kentucky. That's a big win there for Tennessee. Um, Kentucky's proven out to be less and less legitimate every week, it seems like.
1: Yeah, they just – they're not what – they had that big first win uh, – at the beginning of the year, and it just kind of has gone downhill downhill from there from them. Yeah, definitely. Um, Alabama,
0: another shutout for Alabama. We could talk about this one a little bit. They win 24-0 at home against 16th ranked Mississippi State. Um, I do think Mississippi State's a little overrated, but still back-to-back shutouts is very impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of those SEC teams that are ranked, I feel like, like you said, are a little bit overrated to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I think – I thought LSU was the real deal, um, but I think they're starting to become overrated to me as well, Um, but I still like their chances to get a New Year's Six Bowl as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just just in general, I think a lot of teams in that top 25 are kind of overrated this year.
0: Yeah. I guess part of it is that maybe they're not overrated, but there's just not many good teams this year in college football. I mean, there's Alabama and there's Clemson, and I kind of feel like that's it. I mean, Michigan's looking really good. I think Notre Dame's kind of fraudulent. Um, They don't really play anyone. It's not necessarily their fault that their schedules turned out to be as bad as
1: it as it is, but there's just not a lot of good football teams this year in college football. yep, I agree. it's usually like um like a, we'll take an example for like in two thousand and fourteen when the Buckeyes won the championship, there mm-hmm. were all four teams that went there were legitimate, like mm-hmm. um you had no doubt, and there was even talks of Baylor and t c u getting in like there was at least six good teams in that that year, like yeah. And right now, there's there's two, and then the rest of the field. So it's just it's hard yeah. to gauge the talent right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, Clemson, um, goes on the
0: road. Uh, Clemson's second ranked team in the country, obviously, go on the road to 17th ranked Boston College. They win 27 to seven. Biggest notable in this game is on the first drive of the game, Boston College loses their starting QB. Um, big 350 pound lineman sacked him, put all of his weight on him, pretty much. Probably hurt his rib pretty bad. I know he went to the hospital, but that definitely played a big role in the game. But still, good for Clemson. Um, if you're a Clemson fan, they win twenty on the road
1: against a ranked team. I
0: don't know if you got to watch any of this game.
1: Um, no, I did not see any of that game. Um, I don't really have much to comment about it. But it, anytime you lose your starting quarterback, you you're just playing a game of catch up for the rest of the game. You don't know how that quarterback will react, that second stringer, and it's mm-hmm. it's way different from practice. So. Yeah, yeah, the second stringer I watched the game looked looked pretty rough. But uh,
0: Florida State, we know how bad they are this year. They went on the road to play the third-ranked Notre Dame team. Notre Dame wins 42-13 to at home. They do it without their starting QB, not that their second string uh, QB is bad. I mean, he was the starter at the beginning of the year when they beat teams like Michigan. So still a good QB, obviously, but still a good win for Notre Dame to win by
1: 30 without your starting QB. Yeah, I think that team is pretty legit. I think they could be that next team that is – like for sure, great so far mm-hmm. this year, but I mean, we'll see how it plays out. They still have a little bit of a tougher schedule left, so
0: yeah. Um, Michigan goes on the road to Rutgers, uh, fourth round. Michigan Mike. that is, and they win forty-two to seven. I didn't get to watch any of this, but I no real reason to. Not no surprise. Rutgers is one and nine now. Michigan's a good team, so they run away with this one pretty easily.
1: Yeah, Rutgers is always bad. It seems like, it's especially since they started in the Big Ten, they just they can't get more than three wins in a season. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's pretty bad for them to be in the Big Ten. Um, obviously you get more money, but they can't seem to win a football game in the Big Ten. Um, Georgia, number five, number fifth ranked Georgia was at home against twenty fourth ranked Auburn. One of the few ranked versus ranked matchups this week. Georgia wins twenty seven to ten. A good win for Georgia against a, a ranked
1: Auburn team here. Won by seventeen. Yeah, I mean, Georgia, I think their quarterback, Jake Fromm, I think he's legit. I mean, he's had struggles at times, but he definitely is ge- keeping that team to where that potential needs to be at. And their back, their two-headed uh, backfield is awesome with Holyfield's son. I mean, he's doing mm-hmm. really good back there. And it's just fun to see, like, Georgia consistently has good running backs. Going back to Todd Gurley, they just have nothing but talent back there. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Evander Holyfield. Uh, can't think of his son's name, but yeah, he's dope.
0: Um, who? What else we got here? We got LSU. Um, talking about LSU like we did earlier, and then looking a little bit rough as of late. They won twenty-seven to. Um, they won twenty-four to seventeen over Arkansas. An Arkansas team that I want to say is two and eight and has been really bad this year. So not a great win for LSU. Um, number eighth ranked Washington State. They won thirty-one to seven over Colorado. Um, this Colorado team's lost. Colorado team has lost four straight now, I think. So not a great win for Washington State, but they still get business done. Um, West Virginia, ninth ranked. They beat TCU 47 to 10. That's a good win for West Virginia. Um, They pretty much destroyed a team that Ohio State didn't look great against earlier this year.
1: Yeah, um, I think uh, TCU, at the beginning of the year, we hyped them up so much. And they proved to be that they are not that great at all. And it's kind of bad because that was going to be one of our – good looking wins for the college football committee but Mm -hmm. it just it hasn't matched up to that at all so
0: yeah yeah they've ended up being pretty disappointing i want to say they're four and six ucf um they went at home 12th ranked ucf 35 to 24 over navy um usually that's not a bad win but this navy team this year is pretty bad they're sitting at two and eight um so if you're ucf and you're trying to impress this committee and prove that you're legit you want to beat a really bad Navy team this year by more than 11 points. So we've seen a lot of teams play this Navy team, a lot of high profile teams have played this Navy team this year and destroyed them. So another great look for UCF. Um, Florida 15th ranked beats South Carolina 35, 31, a good game, close game. Texas number 19th ranked Texas beats Texas tech on the road. 41 to 34 Penn state uh, 20th ranked Penn state beats Wisconsin 22 to 10. I don't know if you guys see any of that, but that's a good win for Penn state
1: um yeah it is a good win for them Um, i didn't see much of it at all but i want to go back to the uh, texas texas tech game Mm -hmm. it was funny that that ended the same exact way as it did like eight years ago with a hail mary and then falling into the end zone it was pretty cool and the guy like kind of mossed them went up over top of them and made the catch so
0: yeah yeah it was a cool game really good game 41 34 um This is definitely something to get into. We just talked about Wisconsin losing. Um, I only have the top 25 here, but Purdue lost, as well as Wisconsin, and Northwestern won. Northwestern unranked, but they go on the road to uh, 21st-ranked Iowa, and they went 14-10, to and they clinched the Big Ten West with that win.
1: That's crazy. I I didn't expect them to clinch it this early, especially. Um, It seems like all those teams over in the West Division, the Big Ten, are all very equal to each other, Mm -hmm. but – Um, usually it's Wisconsin that's the one that stands out but it's cool to see a different team in there this year that hopefully Ohio State um, comes out and he's able to play them. Yeah yeah definitely and then Iowa State
0: 22nd rec Iowa State beats Baylor 28-14 so that'll pretty much do it for that the only two things I really had to add besides the scores was like we just said Northwestern clinched the Big Ten West this week Um, that was pretty cool to see they lost all their non-conference games they've lost to Akron this year but They're doing good in the Big Ten West, at least. Um, Like you said, a lot of those teams are super evenly matched. I mean, if you watch the Big Ten West week in and week out, it's like one team beats – I mean, you see one team do something one week, and you're like, wow, that team's awful. And the next week they'll just blow out someone. It's just really erratic, really unpredictable. Um, Clemson clinches the ACC Coastal with that win over Boston College. Um, So they'll be in the ACC Championship game, probably playing a team like Pittsburgh. Uh, The ACC Atlantic is kind of similar to the Big Ten West, and – it's pretty rough, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, that'll pretty much do it for college football unless you got something else to add.
1: Nope, let's move on to the next thing.
0: All right, so this will be the first thing that we'll talk about for the NFL, and that was the Browns. They beat the Falcons 28-16 to yesterday. First thing I wanted to get into was that we were there. Um, how was the mood in the city? How was the stadium? How was the fans? How was just the whole vibe around
1: Cleveland, and how was the game? And just how how'd you how was your day yesterday? Yeah, I thought I thought it, the game was very very fun. The mm-hmm. crowd was into it. I mean, it it's definitely a different feel than what we've had in the past. I mean, mm-hmm. we can tell that we're on the rise and like fans know that. It's not a different team like um like the team just has so much more energy. Like Baker Mayfield brings this spunk that we have not had in Cleveland. Since I would even I would even say Johnny Manziel, but even then that only lasted a couple games. But this has been consistent all year, and Nick Chubb is so electrifying. I mean, the way he cuts into another gear when he's in the open field is amazing, and it's it was a fun game to be at. I mean, we we are three and O this year when going. Uh, Jake, mm-hmm. that's crazy, man. I don't I don't even know how that
0: happened. Um, obviously, I guess what does that make us three and oh and we're there. And when
1: we're not at games, they are what I guess oh six and one. Yeah, so I mean we might be the common denominator. Here. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, and I think after the game, people know that we, if we can win out, I mean, we have a great chance. But I mean, it's going to be hard too. The Panthers yeah. are going to be a tough game coming up. Um, the Bengals are going to be a tough game. But I mean, the way we played this Sunday, we have a chance to. I mean, it. So I mean. You'll see. I mean, we definitely want to win as, money, win as much as possible, but while developing our guys. And if, if we lose, we still want to be developing our guys. Yeah, it's kind of like a win-win
0: situation in terms of what you, just, what you just said there. If we win, you know, it's good. It's developing people. It's developing a winning culture. And if we lose, then that just makes our draft pick higher. Um, yeah. In terms of, I guess, what I asked you, I guess I'll kind of ask myself. It was a lot of fun being there yesterday. Um, like you said, we're somehow 3-0 and when we go to these games. I don't know what it is about – I feel like any time I go to any game for anything, it seems like the team that I'm rooting for wins. I don't know what it is about that, but uh, it's a weird thing. Even Browns, yeah. um, you know, the Browns aren't great, but it
1: seems like any time I go, they,
0: f- they find a way to at least keep it close or win, so that's kind of weird. But I know you said – you got something to say.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I just think in general this – like the culture is shifting, and that's so f- – and mm-hmm. it's so enjoyable for me to see because we yeah. have seen just garbage the past couple of years and we finally have everything like we can finally draft around a quarterback. Like we have not been able to say that since we came back when I was born. Like mm-hmm. so it's like it's just so much better. Just so much better to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like what you said about just like the moon in the city and how the fans like know this is different. Like, yes, the record right now isn't great. They're three, six and one and that kind of just sounds like a regular Browns record. It's not great. They're probably only going to win four or five games this year. And But it's different. You know, you can tell with this team, like, this is different. Like, we actually have a franchise quarterback, it seems like. I mean, it seems like they have their quarterback for the future, um, probably the next 10 years. Um, running backs aren't as durable, so maybe our running back, it looks like we have with Dick Chubb for at least the next six or seven years maybe. Um, it looks like we have our wide receiver with Landry. Uh, we might need to add another wide receiver or two, but we looks like we've got our pr- pass rusher with Miles Garrett. And the line looked really good yesterday. Um, That was exciting to see. So you can just tell this is is the youngest team in the NFL, and they're playing really well. And it's a lot of the people that are playing well are the young ones too. So it's really exciting to just watch this team develop in front of us. And you you can just, like you said, you can just feel it in the city. These people know that it's different in this time. It's not like um, a few years ago when we won three or four games. You know, this is a lot different. This is a team that we know is going to continue to develop and continue to get better
1: year in and year out. Yeah, and we just have continuous faith in John Dorsey right now. I mean, he mm-hmm. has hit on every single one of these draft picks that he had last year. Yeah. I mean, the only one that is maybe a little bit um, sketchy is um, Antonio Callaway, And even then, I mean, he has been shown glimpses of what he could be. So, yeah, I'm excited. I really am for this team.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a big takeaway, too. Uh, John Dorsey has been amazing for the city, for this team. I really like – what, what you said, It just like the man just doesn't – he just hits nonstop on everything he picks. Um, he was the GM, I want to say, when the Packers won the uh, Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers like 10 or so years ago. And then if you look at Kansas City now, he built that team, Tyree Kill, mm-hmm. um, Patrick Mahomes, all those people. He drafted them, Kareem Hunt, players like that. And now mm-hmm. this year he's had one draft with the Browns, and Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, um, Denzel Ward, Antonio Callaway was a steal for where we got him. I mean he just hits on every pick it seems like that he gets and every move, every trade that he does. Somehow we got Demarius Randall for Deshaun Ky- Deshaun Kaiser. So I don't know, John Dorsey just seems like he really knows what he's doing. He's kind of like a football genius. Yeah, I, I'm I
1: everything he does, I'm going to back him up on even mm. until he proves me wrong. So Yeah, yeah. And then um people were questioning when
0: Freddie Kitchen was named the offensive coordinator too. People were like, Why would you name him the offensive coordinator and not the quarterback's coach? or uh just you know promote promote Todd Haley and not
1: fire him and that seems like it uh didn't backfire as well because we saw a really cool offense yesterday yeah we saw things that like we have not seen run in a Browns offense in a while like we we went into a modified Mm -hmm. wishbone and that threw the defense off it Mm -hmm. kept them on their toes Um, just and then we just had a such a great mixture of Duke Johnson and Nick Chubb and I love seeing that
0: yeah yeah no doubt um one thing we'll get into is just Baker Mayfield, his performance here. I've got a stat line. He went 17 of 20 for 216 yards, three touchdowns. I don't have it here, but I want to say his uh, QB rating was like
1: 151 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was close to perfect. At one point, he had 14 straight <clears throat> completions we saw up mm-hmm. on the big board. And we're like, oh, man, like it did not seem like it was that. But he just yeah. he played a flawless game. It really was there was nothing and any time he did get scrambled a little bit I mean he ended up getting a first down like it was just yeah you know, everything he did seemed so poised and nothing like what a rookie quarterback should look like but he did and it's so so like I said just enjoyable to watch as a Browns fan
0: yeah yeah definitely another big takeaway for me is the fact that like like I said he only threw the ball 20 times and Matt Ryan threw the ball 52 times and I think that's a big reason why we won this game. We really had the time of possession in the game. We ran that clock down. And it felt like every single time that we got a completion or we ran the ball, we would run that clock
1: almost all the way down to zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we really had time management in that. I mean, that's how you win football games in the National Football League. So it's, yeah, it's good. I'm I'm glad he does it. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like it. You're playing a team that you know has an explosive offense. So
0: keep them off the field as long as you can. Uh, I'm talking about, other big players, Nick Chubb, he gets twenty carries, so he gets as many touches on the ball as Baker Mayfield did, at least in pass attempts wise. He gets one hundred and seventy-six yards out of that, eight point eight yards per carry. Um, his average yards per carry this year is just ridiculous, and he got one touchdown. Obviously, that ninety-two yard run that was the longest run in Browns history. Uh, before that, it was a ninety-yard ninety-yard run. He got ninety-two yards, so that was an awesome day for Nick Chubb.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just like I said, it just seemed like he could he just can't get tackled like he, mm-hmm. that That play we were just like looking up because we were on the other end of that play on the other side of the uh stadium so we looked and he just kept going like we're like oh my god 90 yards like this yeah. is ridiculous yeah i'm pretty sure i was like mauling you on that run <laughs> yeah uh, everybody <laughs> was mauling each other i mean the stands were going crazy and it's just so fun uh, yeah excitement right there yeah yeah it was really cool to see the excitement
0: i mean i yeah, that, I believe that was our last touchdown. So that put us up twenty-eight to ten, and it was just a surreal feeling being a Browns fan. It's like we just had like one of the best plays and I've ever seen as a Browns fan—a ninety-two-yard run for a touchdown against a Falcons team that's really good—and being up eighteen points on the Falcons, um, it was just so cool. Another big takeaway I have from the game, talking about uh, being up eighteen, was the Browns didn't just beat the Falcons; they won pretty comfortably, and that's not something that we see often with the Browns. I believe this is our first comfortable win in
1: four years. Yeah. I mean, it just like, as soon as I would say until this, like the start of the second quarter is Mm -hmm. when we really felt like we had this game in complete control and we had it until the end. And that's just something like has not happened very often. I mean, the other two wins we've had this year, we, we were sketched out the whole time. Like we did not think we were going to win. But like the first game with the jets we were at, I mean, the, Um, Baker came in and it was electrifying. Like, it was different. We hadn't seen it. So, that was a big thing. And then the Ravens game was just a defensive battle. So, like, it was very different for this game, like where we just went out and continuously punched him in the throat. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was good to see. Like I said, it's been about four years, as crazy as that sounds, since the Browns have won a comfortable game. Um, I think last year they obviously didn't win a game. Uh, This year, like we said, both of their games were close wins. The year before that, when they won the Chargers, it was on a last-second field goal miss from the Chargers. And then the year before that was when we had a few comfortable wins. I think San Francisco 49ers was our last comfortable win. So pretty crazy to do something for the first time in four years. That's cool. It's been a lot of firsts this year. One of the few firsts, they still haven't broken those. They still haven't won an away game in like three years. So coming out of this bye week, that's something big to get off their chest, uh, winning an away game
1: in Cincinnati yeah um it's gonna be a fun game I'm excited for that one uh I don't know the status on AJ Green or how far he's out but if he could be out for that that'd be huge for the Browns and it would take pressures off Denzel Ward because he wouldn't have to be hooked on him man to man the whole game
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I believe he's supposed to be out for I think maybe the year I know he's getting foot surgery so it's gotta be pretty serious Mm -hmm. but um the final thing little bullet point I have here for the Browns is are we dreaming of the playoffs or are we are we that crazy
1: uh right now it's definitely a stretch I think mm-hmm. but we if we could win if we go even win five more yeah um, I think 8 7 and 1 could be a a legitimate record to make that wild card yeah but um we definitely have to get down to business um we just if we could start winning comfortably like that I think that'll start cuz winning rolls if you can win one game win two you're going to win a third like it's winning's contagious so we'll mm-hmm. see yeah, yeah. I'm gonna try to look up the wild card picture here in the uh,
0: in the AFC. Sorry, I couldn't think of what the conference is called for a second. It's pretty bad. But um, let's see here. The Carolina Panthers. Um, no, that would be the NFC. My bad. Um, let's see here. Oh, well, maybe this is just the NFC. I'm not sure. Interesting. Carolina's in the NFC, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why this article just says the NFC, but. Whatever, yeah. But I would assume that if we got to 8-7-1, and one, that would be close. I think we'd probably have to win out, which, I I mean, I don't think the Browns are going to win five or six games, but they're definitely not going to win out. I don't think that would be really tough to do. But mm-hmm. even if they're sitting at 8-7-1, they have the tiebreaker over people 8-8. Eight eight, but I do think they could win five or six games. I think every game left on their schedule is winnable, um, but every game left on their schedule is also losable, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, uh, I thought that we our first half of the season was way harder than our – after the bye week Mm -hmm. so we'll see I mean it's like I said like you actually just like you said every game is winnable but every game is losable so but the way we put a whooping on a team that just won four straight games is I mean I'm excited like I can see us winning those if that makes sense yeah yeah definitely I one thing I'm excited about for the schedule and at least the opportunity
0: of winning a lot of games is we can definitely beat the Broncos I think we can definitely beat the Texans but I think that we can beat this Bengals team twice. I really don't think the Bengals are that great. I think they're kind of in disarray right now. I know they're still five and four, but they've lost three of their last four, and they lost their best player in AJ Green. And there's a lot lost a lot of confidence around this team. They just fired the defense coordinator today. Their defense is statistically the worst in the NFL. So I really think that we got a shot against this Bengals team twice, and then we finish the year off against the Ravens, who are in a little bit of disarray right now too. So it's, yeah, like you said, this is a pretty not an easy schedule by any means. Like I said, we could win any of these games. We could lose any of these games. But I think all of them are extremely
1: winnable besides maybe the Carolina Panthers game. Yep. Um, I think the Bengals just, like, they just got routed. I mean, mm-hmm. smacked by the Saints. And we, we lost by three to them on the last kick of the game into overtime. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a toss-up. Like, I'm excited to watch this game. too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's going to be an exciting game. We got to start getting together and watch, watching these games if we don't go. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe, yeah, try to find a maybe Browns that, bar or something.
1: Maybe that a little bit of juju right there will help us out.
0: <laughs> True.
1: Um, yeah, so the Browns, uh,
0: are we dreaming of the playoffs? I guess we are just because we're the Browns. Hell, when they were 0-10 last year, there was all this like million scenarios that if they go 6-10, and 10, then how they can make it. So that's just how we are as Browns fans. Obviously, we know realistically that's not going to happen, but – there's still always that that thought, but overall, it's, it's good to see the Browns win and win comfortably against a great team. So, talking about the Bengals, they lose fifty-one to fourteen against the Saints. I don't have a ton, I don't want to get into this game a ton. I'm not surprised by this. The Bengals, like we've said before, they're out their best player right now, AJ Green, and the Saints are on fire right now. They just beat the Rams the week before this, so they really just rout the Bengals. Um, the Bengals it was so bad that they fired the defensive coordinator, like we've talked about. So. They went for the Saints. Uh, the Bengals are kind of in disarray li- right now.
1: Yeah, the Saints' offense is just ridiculous. They have so many weapons. I I would go and say that they have more weapons than the Rams do right now. It's mm. just uh, – they have a two-headed backfield, like kind of like we do, but a lot better, if that makes sense, right now at least. Yeah. Um. And Michael Thomas, he – right now, to me, he's the best receiver in the National Football League. It's just everything he – everything – every ball he is thrown to him, he catches. It just it, – he's, like, 90% catching rating. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Thielen, I think, is a close second right now. But, to me, Michael Thomas is just so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um. And, oh, sorry about that. I know you're good. Go ahead. Um, and Alvin Kamara is just – he's a freak, dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's – I mean, their team is crazy. Like you said, Michael Thomas is such a good possession wide receiver – Um, Drew Brees is just a freak for his age and Alvin Kamara has been amazing. Um, Alvin Kamara is kind of a crazy story. Just kind of a running back out of Tennessee, didn't get much attention and he's turned out to be a beast. Michael Thomas wasn't, I mean, whoever the saints have like picking their draft picks, he's doing a really good job. Whoever their GM is. Mm
1: -hmm, Yeah. He definitely hits on, he's like a John Dorsey. I'd assume just hits on a lot of picks. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. All right. So going through the NFL real quick, we've already used up 36 minutes going through just like two talking points. So. I like it. I like that we're getting the long-form discussion going. But I'm going to go through the NFL scores real quick. If you want to interview at any point um, with any of these scores, you can. The Steelers, Thursday Night Football beat the Panthers 52-21. to um, I think I got into that game a little bit on my last podcast because I think it was on a Friday. Um, the Redskins go into Tampa Bay, and they win 16-3. to They're leading the division pretty well now. The Chiefs um, only win by 12 against the Cardinals, but it's the NFL. They do win. That's all that matters. The Jets at home lose ten to forty-one against the Bills. Um, That was pretty crazy to see. The Colts, uh, Colts are starting to get sneaky good. They've won, I think, maybe four straight or so, or at least three out of the last four. They beat the Jaguars twenty-nine to twenty-six. The Jaguars' season is over. I mean, they're three and six now. I think so. A lot of people were picking them to win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl. So they're now three and six. Their season's pretty much over. The Colts are looking a lot better. Um, The Bears at home win thirty-four to twenty-two over the Lions. They're leading their division still. I think they play Minnesota this week, so that'll be a big game. The Bengals, like we said, lose 14-51 to at home against the Saints. The Titans blow out the Patriots 34-10. The Browns beat the Falcons 28-16. The Charges beat the Raiders 20-6. Um, the Rams win 36-31 to over the Seahawks in a good game. The Packers beat the Dolphins 31-12. And Sunday night football last night, the Cowboys surprisingly went into Philadelphia, one twenty-seven to twenty. That division's wide right o- That division is wide open with a lot of bad teams. The Redskins aren't that great, even though they keep winning games. It feels like um, the Cowboys and Eagles aren't that great, and uh, the Giants are obviously really bad. I'm watching them right now on the TV. So, any takeaways from the slate of games? Yes, this this
1: weekend. Um, I just thought I thought the Cowboys looked good. I thought Zeke ate up. I mean. Give mm-hmm. that man the ball. Let him do his thing. Yeah. But yeah. I think, I think the Eagles are kind of falling apart. A lot of people are still picking them to be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. And what I see the past couple of weeks is not a team that is hungry like they were last year. Like that team, every time that team played last year, I was like, they're going to win. But this yeah. year, it's just – it's a little bit different. I mean, but I think they'll get their head screwed back on tight. But we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Overall, for me, it's just – the NFL and sports in general are just so unpredictable. Um, who would think the Titans would blow out the Patriots? Who would think that the Jaguars would be three and six right now? Who would think that the Eagles would be four and five or whatever they are right now? Who would have thought the Cowboys would have beat them? Who would have thought the Rams would have barely beat the Seahawks? Who would have thought the Browns would have basically blown out the Falcons? So NFL is crazy as always. The Bills blow out the Jets. Um, crazy things, but yeah, that'll wrap it up for the NFL. The lot, next thing I got to talk about is the crew. Um, do you actually get to watch this game or no? I know you said you wanted to.
1: Yeah, I I did want to, but I ended up, I couldn't. So, um, go ahead and fill me in on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't miss anything here. The Columbus crew, they played their final game of the season last night since they ended up losing between the two legs, they were up one Oh coming into this game. Um, like I said before, if they would have scored an away goal here, it would have been big for them. They never did score that away goal. They lost, they were down one Oh, um, I want to say pretty early on. I guess I can pull it up here if I need to. But, yeah, they're down 1-0 pretty early from a good goal from the Red Bulls. Uh, most The game was 1-0 for a long time. I want to say they scored about the 15th minute, and it was 1-0, which means it was tied on aggregate, which means it would have went to extra time until about the 75th minute when the Red Bulls scored another goal to make it 2-0. Um, then the crew all just, still just needed a goal to get through because they would have gotten that away goal if they would have scored – and It would have been 2-2 on aggregate, but they would have had the uh, tiebreaker. Um, towards the end of the game, there's only 10 minutes left, so they started chasing the game, really putting a lot of players forward. They got exposed in the back. The Red Bulls scored a, three, third, a third goal to make it 3-0, and at that point it was pretty much over. Um, crew got a few more chances, but they still needed to score two more goals at that point, so it was pretty much over. Um, the Red Bulls, like I said, I've talked about this a lot on this podcast. I said if the crew you know, crashed out of the playoffs in this round, I was not going to be sad, Um, one, because this team, I was pretty happy with them just making the playoffs. Not the most talented team in the world, and the Red Bulls are super talented. They had the most points in MLS regular season history, so one of the best teams in MLS history. They have a really solid team. I was extremely surprised that we beat them in the first leg, 1-0. So a good 3-0 win for the Red Bulls. Um, They definitely deserved it. They were the better team on the night. They looked really solid last night. Um, Yeah, overall, thoughts on the season? I thought it was a good season, getting to the semifinals. And then obviously the big thing of the season was just saving the crew because I mean, who cares what happens this season? At the, at, at the end of everything, what happens this season doesn't really matter. What's more important is the fact that this team will be playing here next year and forever. Um, I mean, for a long time, it looked like this crew, th- this would be the last season for the crew. They wouldn't even be here next year. So what really happened on the field this year didn't matter a ton. Um, what was happening off the field was really the big thing. And you know that was really exciting. That most likely we've saved the crew at this point. Most likely our
1: man Jimmy Haslam will be buying them. Yeah, I think that's awesome, man. I, I, I was there was a lot of talks to different guys coming in to maybe help save that. A lot of different people, mm-hmm. and then the Haslam's just went in there and just pulled the trigger. So I'm glad. And yeah, hopefully that team gets a lot more like notability, honestly, in like Columbus sports. Um, I think the Haslam's will probably fill in a lot of money in there to make them what they should be. And I'm glad that the Save the Crew happened. I'm Like I said, I've said it on here before, I'm not that big of a soccer fan, but I love Columbus and Ohio sports, so I'm glad that they got their team. Yeah,
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be interesting to see what – if Jimmy Haslam does take over, like it looks like he will, it'll be very interesting to see what he uh, – how much money he can pump into this market. I mean, if you go around the city right now, you see ads for the Blue Jackets all the time. You see all the stuff for the Blue Jackets, and honestly the NHL isn't that much bigger of a – much bigger of a thing than the MLS is depending on the market, but the MLS is pretty much there neck and neck with the NHL to see how much more advertising an NHL team here in Columbus has than an MLS team is surprising, and part of that is to do with Anthony Precourt, the current owner, the one who wanted to move them. He was just a bad owner. He was not doing any marketing in this town, so I think once the marketing gets there, this town's going to really begin to love this team, and just what happened with Save the Crew in general, he made this city love this team too, but yeah, um, what the off season holds for this team will be interesting too. Um, their three, their two best players are probably going to move out this season and go to Europe. Um, I don't know how you, if you know how it works, Steve. Um, usually the MLS is in a very prestigious league, so if you've got really good players on your team, there's a good chance that they'll uh, end up going off the team and go to Europe, play in a bigger league, bigger team. So will trap our center defense in mid. He's from Columbus, Ohio. He's always been the captain of the team. He's always been like everyone's favorite player. He he might move this summer to go to Europe and play on a bigger club. And then Zach Steffen, who's our goal, goalkeeper. He's also the U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper. He's pretty young and he's just way too good to be in the U.S. So he might go to the Premier League this offseason. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, Greg Berhalter, our coach, is, you know speculated to become the head coach of the U.S. Men's National Team, mostly because he's done so well with the crew. He's been here for four years and This team hasn't been the most talented team at times, and he's led them really far. We went to an MLS Cup three years ago with him at at the helm in his first season. Um, We made a run last year in the MLS playoffs. We were one goal away from getting to the MLS Cup again. This team wasn't that talented this year, and they got to the Eastern Conference Finals and uh, competed with this really good Red Bulls team. So he's probably going to take the U.S. men's national team coach just because he's done so well in Columbus without a ton of talent. So that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, Should be an interesting offseason between, um, you know, making sure that everything goes through with Jimmy Haslam and then seeing what happens to our coach and our two best players. All right. So that will do it for the uh, crew segment. Uh, The Blue Jackets, they played Friday night. They beat the Capitals 2-1 in D.C. That is the Capitals who are the Stanley Cup champions of last year. So that's a really good win to get a 2-1 win there. And then um, the night after, I want to say that was Friday night, they beat the Caps. Uh, Saturday night, they came back to Nationwide Arena on a back-to-back. They lost 5-4, but they lost in a shootout, which means they lost in overtime. So they still get a point out of it. Um, They still get three points in two nights, playing two really good teams and playing in a back-to-back. So not a bad stretch. Obviously, it would have been nice if they could have beat the Rangers at home, but they lose 5-4 in a shootout. Uh, Like I said, Friday night, they beat the Caps 2-1 in D.C., so... Three points in two nights against two good teams on a back-to-back—not bad for the Blue Jackets. Um, so now we will jump into the Cavs. This is obviously where Steve can jump back in because he loves the Cavs. He knows more about the Cavs than I do. Um, Cavs lost last night, or I think
1: two nights ago, lost a heartbreaker to the Bulls, ninety-nine to ninety-eight. Yeah, the they played a really well like a solid game. I mean, they had three people over 20 points, which that d- doesn't not happen often in the NBA. It's usually more about just a one-kind score. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, Rodney Hood was in double figures with 22. I believe Colin Sext- Colin Sexton had 20. And Tristan Thompson was being a hog. I mean, he had 20 points and, like, over 15 rebounds, which is great to see. He's starting to play, like, the money that we pay him, although I think it's still overpaid. But that's another discussion for another time. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, they played a good game, and it just came down to a final shot, and they they gave the ball to Colin Sexton, let him try it, and he ended up taking a running floater, which hit off the front of the rim twice and then fell off. And he did have another chance because he did get the rebound, um, but he ended up getting blocked right away. So it was a heartbreaker for sure on that one. But, I mean, it was glad to see the team compete. I know the Bulls are not the best team in the – the NBA but it was definitely to see good to see these young kids get the chance to like play in that clutch moment if that makes sense yeah yeah it's good to see I mean I looking at this looking at the stats
0: here Colin Sexton obviously only 19 years old he's gotten a lot of crap in the last few weeks We saw with the veterans coming out against him and stuff but he still is accumulating the most minutes on the team right now he got 34 minutes in this game he started the game um, he was two points away from leading the team in scoring he got 20 points and the coach trust him enough to put the ball in his hands towards the end. Like you said, um, I actually didn't get to watch this game, but I went back and watched the highlights this morning, and he had a really good look at it. He was like two feet from the rim. I mean, it looks like a floater that he would make most of the time. Uh, just unfortunately, he missed it, and then he gets the rebound with no time left pretty much and puts it up, but gets blocked. So, still a good game for Colin Sexton. Ever since everything happened, I think he's only played two games since everything came out with the veterans calling him out and stuff. I'm sure you saw that. Um, yep. Since then, he's had two good games. He scored 15 points against the Thunder, I believe, and then he scores 20 points here. He's leading the team in minutes. He still gets four rebounds, pretty good for his size, still gets three assists, which is um, one assist away from leading the team in assists. So he's been playing well since that.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's going to be our staple for our organization going forward. Um, I, I do like him. I thought it was a great pickup at number eight. Um, he just – he's got to learn the way the NBA's played and how to manage um like his team. And that's what a good point guard will do. Um I think Kyrie was when we first got him, he was more about all of himself. And I think Colin Sexton is actually more about being a pass first guy, although he, he only had three assists. I think he does really want to get his teammates involved. And that's a good thing to see out of a young guy. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So
0: yeah, the Cavs lose,
1: um, Interesting enough, we can
0: get into this a little bit. They're 1-11, and a lot of people on Twitter seem to, seem to think that, you know, it's good that they're tanking and they're going to get Zion Williamson, but I believe that they don't have their own draft pick this year, so it doesn't really matter where they finish up in terms of getting a lottery pick.
1: Yeah, if they um, – I've been seeing that too, and it just doesn't make sense to me. I try to tell people, but they just don't seem to listen. <laughs> um yeah, we have the Hawks pick from a trade with Kyle Corver from two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's how we end up having their pick for this year. So technically we want the Hawks to be bad. Yeah. Man. So right now we are just kind of screwing ourselves if we want to be able to try to win these games, to be completely honest. Get those wins under our belt. Yeah. Let the young guys feel what it is like to win without LeBron there. Yeah. So yeah, it's just kind of a of annoying to see people talk about that when they don't know that we can't get that pick if that makes sense yeah i'm surprised it hasn't like come out yet and like
0: everyone hasn't kind of like figured that out yet i mean i'm still thinking maybe like it's ours because of the fact that like everyone on twitter seems to think that obviously after every time they lose you see all the comments of like people being happy they lost and stuff but yeah that was something i kind of thought about the other day and i asked you and you said like yeah it should be the hawks pick um I mean, we can 100% confirm that here at some point soon, but I believe so. Yeah, it's probably the Hawks pick.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe I am wrong. Uh, I don't want to sound like for sure right, but like yeah. that's what I, I saw last year. That's why I, I thought we, if we played good enough, we could catch an eight seed and it wouldn't really matter. Yeah. But right now we are just so bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, so we're 1-11 right now, and I just – I don't see this team – getting any better, but I want them to mm-hmm. just in little things, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the final thing here is Ohio State basketball. I'm assuming you haven't got a chance to look at the highlights
1: here um, when they played Purdue-Fort Wayne yesterday. No, but I did see that they blew them out, which is good. Um, yeah. Definitely. and They had a lot of uh, scores in double figures if I did. I saw right. Yeah, it was
0: a solid game for them. Purdue-Fort Wayne, obviously not the biggest name, but they're actually not that bad of a basketball team. Um, they're affiliated with Purdue, who's obviously a really good basketball program. But they weren't up; uh, they were up, I think, forty-one to thirty-four at halftime, which isn't good to see. Only up seven, but then they blew them out the second half. They outscored them by, I think, thirty-nine or forty points in the second half, and my math is correct. Um, so that was really good to see playing a pretty decent team um, and winning by forty points in the second half is impressive. CJ Jackson scored twenty-five points; um, that was the team high for the day, and it was also a career high for him. So that was good, and then the freshmen really really shined in this game. We pull up these stats here um, for Ohio State. Caleb Wesson he had seven rebounds, eight points. Um, kind of what you expect from Caleb Wesson. Just get a lot of boards and a lot of a good amount of points. Um, Kyle Young got seven points. Good to see he's still contributing, contributing, contributing. Um, sorry, but then the freshmen: Luther Muhammad, uh, du- Duane Washington, and Jay Don, Don Ladiv all played really well. It was Ladis' first time ever getting into a game, and he scored 16 points in this game. Um, Washington, he ended up scoring 20 points. His stroke looked really good. And Luther Muhammad continues to play really, really good defense, and he also gets 12 points. And I love one of the quotes Luther Muhammad said after the game. Um, Luther mm-hmm. Muhammad is kind of a cocky guy, and he really takes pride in himself, and he really takes pride in the way he plays defense and the way he plays basketball. Like I said, when they played Cincinnati, he had that moment where someone hit a three in his face, and he immediately came back down and hit another three, and someone else uh, hit a three in the guy's face that hit a three in his face. So he's kind of got that swagger, but I like what he said after the game when he said, I don't, it doesn't matter if I score 20 points. If the person I'm playing against, if the person I'm guarding scores 20 points as well, then I basically didn't score anything. So I kind of like that quote. He's kind of saying, you know, if I score 20 points, like that's cool, but if the person I'm guarding also scores 20 points, then I didn't really score any points. So like, I like that quote from Luther Muhammad.
1: Yeah, that is a good quote. I never really thought about that. Just kind of like a negate. Mm-hmm. Like, negated.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a cool quote from him. It just shows how much like pride he takes in his defense, and I really like this team a lot. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. I'm really excited for this team. Um, obviously, this team isn't going to go out and win the national championship or anything, but they play with a lot of heart, and they play with a lot of effort, and they're just a lot of fun to watch. Um, obviously, on my last podcast, I said it's like having 12 Aaron Crafts on the floor, but yeah. I mean, I love it. You know, it's not the most talented team, as I've said a ton of times, but they just play with a ton of heart. They play good defense. Um, they really distribute the ball well to each other. A lot of people score as we saw in this game, Caleb Wesson, eight points, Kyle Young, seven points, CJ Jackson, 25 points, Luther Muhammad, 12, Kayshawn Wood, seven, Duwan Washington, 20, Ladie 16, Musa Jallo had six, even Joey Lane got five points. I don't know how much you know about Joey Lane, the senior walk-on who, uh, Everyone kind of loves – he's kind of like this, you know, everyone's favorite player on the team. He got five points too. So, this team really distributes the ball well. They play really good defense. They're a super fun team to watch. I really love this team.
1: Yeah, I hope they turn into one of those teams that you really – or love and back on somewhat like the Jared Solinger team or the Aaron Kraft or – yeah. Yeah. Aaron Kraft their team, something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think this would be a team we look back on – you know, five, 10 years from now, and they might not win a national championship or do anything crazy, but we'll look back on them with fond memories and really remember enjoying like how much heart they played with and stuff. And then obviously next year is really the year for them when they get that third, uh, third best recruiting class in the country in here next season, and really probably
1: compete for a national title.
0: So that'll pretty much do it.
1: Um, You have anything else to add to the podcast? No, it was great talking to you, man. I thought we covered some really good points.
0: Yeah, it was fun. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I've been doing this for about a month now. I do enjoy this podcast. I guess we'll do housekeeping on the podcast. Always listen to it on Apple. I've been working on with, I've been talking to Anchor a lot about like making sure that when we make these podcasts, it updates the podcast immediately to Apple and stuff because there's been some problems with that. So that should be fixed according to them. So like the second I publish this, it should only take a few minutes to get on Apple and you know be refreshed and be on there and then Yeah, so if you listen on Apple, like most people do, I look at the stats, most people listen on Apple, um, that's the most popular spot. If you're listening on Apple, leave a five-star review, that will definitely help, appreciate it. I think we got like 25 people, 25 um, plays per episode right now, and 200 people in general listening, so that's pretty cool. We got a good amount of people listening, appreciate that, so drop a five-star review if you can. Um, But yeah, we got to talk about a lot today. Um, When I started this podcast like a month ago, things were looking pretty bleak pretty bleak in Ohio sports. We had a lot of losses that one weekend, my first ever weekend review. So it was good to have a weekend where Ohio state football wins by 20 against a ranked opponent. Uh, the Browns win comfortably. Um, the Cavaliers competed, the blue jackets did pretty well. So, um, exciting weekend in Ohio sports, no doubt.
1: Yep. Um, I'm. I'll be looking forward to coming on again and, uh, Oh IO. that'll do it, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yep. Have a good
0: night. All right. I'll do it for Ohio versus the world.